Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, hello, everyone. This is Pastor Joey. I'm sitting here across from Pastor Nathan, who preached this last Sunday. Normally, Claire Kingsley, our communications director, would be interviewing the preaching pastor. But since Claire Kingsley is somehow related to Nathan Kingsley, we thought we didn't really want to just, well, I wouldn't have minded it. But Claire's like, no one wants to hear me talk to my husband for half an hour. So uh, I'm in here talking to Claire's husband about the sermon he preached this last Sunday. So Nathan, good to have you at the table. Yes, good to be back for another edition of Cut for Time. That's right. So let's talk about what you should have cut from your sermon. That's a great way to start. To make it shorter. No, I'm just kidding. Let's uh, let's start with the the summary. Uh, You were preaching from chapter two, verses eighteen through twenty-five in this uh, short series we're doing in First John with the sort of thematic approaches to John. You were you were bouncing around a lot during the sermon, going forwards, backwards, pulling um, supplemental data from different parts of the letter. So uh, I guess I'm talking and yeah, not you're, actually you're asking the, you a question. This, that's about how I normally ask a question is yep. you ask the question, then you explain it for so long until people forget what your question was. But yes, I can give a summary. So summarize your sermon for yes. us. Um, uh, one of the major themes throughout the letter uh, from John, who in terms of who he's writing to, he's writing to this you know church of believers who have been confronted with people falling away from uh, their church. And so one of the themes is, you know, he's been talking about walking in love, walking in the light, not in darkness. And so what I got to preach on was maintaining your confession. Uh, basically, hold fast, stand firm. And so the uh, the way that um, you actually gave me a, a way to summarize it in three words, which was cling to Christ. Yeah, what was your original uh, oh, I don't, big, it long was takeaway? Something like, uh, yeah, in terms of cut for time, that <laughs> is something I cut. And that was, it was like, hold fast to your, your confession of salvation in Jesus as the Christ the son of God. Yes. And something like, like that. You should just go with cling to Christ. I'm like, yeah. I like that better. So Though, to be clear, I texted this to you and I believe it originally said Clint to Chris <laughs> <laughs> and you so. figured it out from context. Yes. Autocorrect did not do you any favors there, nope. but yes, cling to Christ. Uh, and so there is a, a, li- a little bit of, um, you know, things in this passage that are maybe a little confusing on the first read, right? He's mm-hmm. talking about antichrist. He's talking about people falling away. But the reason he's going through all these things is he wants to emphasize to his readers, to this church that he cares about, um, hey, despite everything going on around you, despite false teachings, despite people leaving the church and teaching something different, you have the truth. Cling to it. Cling to Jesus as the Christ. Um, He is not just our salvation, but he is our, you know, master, Lord. And um, that's the truth that we have to cling to. Yeah, and you were talking about clinging to Christ in the midst of like the difficult circumstances or um, the stuff that's coming your way. But in the context here, I think if I remember you saying it correctly, the context here is maintain your confession or cling to Christ, to the truth of what you know about who Jesus is as the Messiah, when people you know and love are telling you like, no, you're wrong. Like, yeah. Okay, Jesus was great, but like there's a higher level and if you just right. you know, if you knew what I knew, you'd be able to you'd realize, you know, there's more to this. Right. Like um we don't get this directly from the letter, but you can kind of fill in the blanks and through context and inference, you can maybe 
take some educated guesses as to what these antichrists or these anti-messiahs were teaching and preaching. And it's not just my ideas. It's stuff I read throughout some of the commentaries and my prep of, hey, when you look at other things John talks about, you can maybe infer that because he's saying, hey, you have the truth, you have all the knowledge you need, mm-hmm. um, you know, those who claim to walk in the light but have no fellowship with God actually walk in darkness, that it's, you know, easy to assume um, or I, I should say reasonable to assume that these false teachers who had left were somehow claiming this, you know, higher fellowship or higher mm-hmm. knowledge of God or who Jesus really is. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, even to us today, like we might also be confronted with people who at one time maybe, you know, grew up in the church and are somehow claiming like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that that's really what God's plan is anymore. Or I don't, you know, whether you want to use the the term deconstructionism or not. Right, right. Um, I tried to not purposely not use that word because mm-hmm. I didn't want it to immediately just fill our minds with, oh, all these other thoughts of what it means to deconstruct our faith. But um, I think that's definitely a, a big thing that we're all kind of having to wrestle with and, and experience um, with friends and family who it's like, oh, yeah, they once would have said these things are true and now they're saying something mm-hmm. different or they believe mm-hmm. something different or they, they don't know what they believe. Mm-hmm. So I can't even uh, remember what question you asked. No, that's okay because I have a new one. Okay. So, uh, um, well, because you kind of get the sense. So my habit throughout the sermon series has just been in the mornings. Uh, I like use the ESV app on my phone and press play on First John. So I listen to the whole thing all the way through. So mm-hmm. I've listened to it all the way through every morning yeah, for a couple that. of weeks. Nice. It's fine. I'm, I'm not saying you should, <laughs> but um, it, 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 that's what I've been doing. And, and you kind of get a sense from the way John's writing that the the people he's talking about who are either claiming some sinless perfection or higher knowledge right. or deeper spiritual maturity are coming across a, a little condescending because um, he he keeps saying so much about the love of and the fellowship of the community and loving mm-hmm. one another is a key marker of being in Christ, in the Messiah, that's like, well, you can kind of reasonably assume people who are separating themselves and being condescending towards the worshiping community are these ones who are like, oh, I've got this higher spiritual knowledge. And there is a bit of a parallel there, I think, with kind of the the deconstruction movement or the ex-evangelical movement. You know, I used to think like a child like you, but now I've matured and I see the world for how it really is. And I and I alone or I in this community can see through all the beliefs that are, that are tricking you into thinking right? I, that yes. Jesus is yes. who he said he is, yes. but the, I have a greater knowledge now. Yeah, they usually, as I've heard people talk, or a few people talk through their deconstruction journey, mm-hmm. they definitely try to make it sound not condescending. Um, but and it's and they may impo- not even actually mean right. it condescending. Right, but it's almost impossible to talk about moving on from something like being a Christian without kind of, claiming this higher knowledge and understanding. Yeah, or uh, a, a maturing of yes. understanding. Now that I understand. You know, for those right. who still who still need that, who still need that, almost like a crutch. Like, if yeah. you still need that crutch, that's yeah. fine. But I don't need that anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I think we're getting maybe a little sidetracked. <clears throat> a little sidetracked. But I was, you know, while listening to your sermon, I was thinking about folks in our congregation whose kids or whose parents or mm-hmm. whose spouse or, or siblings have... Uh, at one time professed faith in Christ and then have walked away from it. And and some I know have walked away just because like, oh, it's not really doing anything for me. Yeah. Um, but others have walked away because they've said, you know, I 
I just can't believe that. I can't believe that, you know, a God like what you described would act like the Bible says he does. Right, right. Um, so what would you what would you say to, especially, for instance, like parents who are uh, lamenting a, mm. a child having walked away from the faith? Like, is there anything in here for those parents? Or is it just like, well... Guess you guess your kid was never really uh, never really a true believer. Yeah, that doesn't bring much comfort to parents who are experiencing that. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I, there are a lot who are ex- who have experienced that and are still experiencing that, still praying for their kids to come back around. Um, mm-hmm. I guess to to say that I think part of that hope and desire is that we look at even some verses like in Proverbs, or you know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. And maybe we incorrectly assume that that's a promise that will always come true, but it's, you know, it's wisdom literature, so it's not necessarily a promise in that way. But um, I had a friend in high school there. It was me and two other guys, the three of us really good friends. And when we graduated, um, one of them kind of just went off the deep end, uh, got involved. He moved away and got involved in all kinds of uh, less than holy activities. And uh, I remember my other friend and I were talking about it one time, and I kind of just wanted to give up on him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really know why we're still trying to be friends with him. He moved away. He's living a life that we wouldn't agree with. Um, but then my other friend said, well, like, we can't give up on him because, like, if he ever comes back to this understanding of who God is, like, we want to say that we also did not give up on him and that mm-hmm. we maintained our our prayer and our thoughts for him. And so that was like challenging to think about. But then, um, I don't know, it was maybe, I think it was around the time I graduated from college. So about four years later, um, he did kind of have a come to Jesus moment uh, where even though he grew up as a, as a pastor's kid, during those four years, he had completely denied everything about Jesus. Like, oh, I never believed any of that. That was just a joke. I can't, you know, I can't believe I ever believed that. I'm going to mm-hmm. just live my life how I want. Um, but then went to rehab and in rehab, he and I wrote letters back and forth and just seeing his genuine conversion, um, at that time, it made me thankful that I didn't give up on him. Mm -hmm. Um, like my friend was encouraging me to, you know, continue praying for him. So I think for parents or, you know, anyone who finds themselves in a situation where someone they care about has maybe walked away or deconstructed, or maybe they're just a little more agnostic or they don't really know what they think, um, that, we're not only are we called to hold to our confession um, and maintain, you know, belief in the truth that we know to be true, but also like don't give up on those people. Continue yeah. praying for them, even though it's hard, even when we don't see the fruit we would like, or we don't see them turning back in the timing, or maybe they don't even turn back at all in mm-hmm. what we see, and that could be really hard. But um, ultimately, we know that. God's not surprised by anything. He knows their life situations better than even we do. And that I think there's hope even for us in how we cling to Christ in those moments that it's not, we realize it's not about us trying to change them or Mm -hmm. change their heart, uh, but that's something that only the Holy Spirit can do. So when we realize it's only the Holy Spirit, I think that kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off. It still hurts, Mm -hmm. but it takes a little bit of the pressure off us too have an answer to every question or objection that they might have. Mm -hmm. And so part of our clinging to Christ in the midst of that circumstance is um, also clinging to the, the hope and the knowledge that God loves 
our wayward friend, child, mm-hmm. spouse, uh, even more than we do. Right. Um, and isn't done with their story either. Right. So, yeah, and, and we should mention, you know, our kids are young. Like right. Like 12 down to 12 months. 11, 11, yes, exactly. 11 See, Well, it worked a lot better with the parallel 12 years to 12 months. So okay. just roll with me next okay. time. Yep. And uh, so our kids haven't walked away yet. <laughs> yes. They might scream no a lot, but none of uh, nothing else. But we have siblings, in-laws, mm-hmm. good friends, uh, former colleagues, you know, who have walked away from the faith. And it's it's heartbreaking to watch. Mm-hmm. So. Well, from that happy note, why don't we move on to another question? Okay. <laughs> Uh, about Antichrist. All right. Okay. So, um, so John is, well, I think you said in the sermon, this heading, warning concerning Antichrist. And you're like, you know, Antichrist isn't a big part of what we're talking about here, but it also, but it's there. And of course, so many of the folks at Faith and kind of in our theological stream are uh, influenced by or familiar with, um, like you said, the Left Behind series, mm-hmm. and who is the Antichrist? And yet here, Antichrist is plural. Right. So talk to me a little bit more about that word and what John's trying to get at. Yeah, well, interestingly, um, people have been trying to assign an identity to the Antichrist. Yeah. Um, it was Gorbachev, I think. Well, I mean, it was, before that, it was Hitler, you know, uh, then yeah, it was yeah. Gorbachev, and then people were, you know, saying it was one of the Clintons, I remember, in some of the I think it was one, and then 10 years later, it was, it was the, the next other, one. Yes, um, and, you know, there have been lots of people thrown out there, these influential um, political figures that, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we feel like... Uh, we want to try and figure out who it is because then maybe there's more certainty of the future of what is described mm-hmm. in Revelation uh, right. with the end times. Um, also, I think before Hitler, uh, they were Martin Luther accused the Pope of being the Antichrist. So, yep. So yep. it's it's nothing new that people mm-hmm. try to figure out who this unnamed person is. Um, but that's not really John's concern here. Um, he doesn't deny that there is this figure. He says, right, the the that you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. And then he says something similar in chapter 4. We're like, hey, the the Antichrist is coming, but the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world already. Um, and it's, once again, trying to demythologize. Mm-hmm. Um, Good word. I yes, like it. Yes. Demythologize our understanding of who the Antichrist is. It's, it's not just about this one character, one person that is somewhere present at Christ's return. But it's this spirit of the Antichrist, not a physical spirit, but like this, this denial of who Jesus is, both in his divinity and his humanity. And anything less than that is trying to preach this anti-gospel of Jesus isn't really what we believe him to be or what Christians think him to be. And so anyone who teaches that or preaches that or is somehow trying to convince others to believe in the same way is an quote-unquote Antichrist mm-hmm. because... They're teaching or preaching or leading counter to who Jesus is. Yeah. Uh, and so a, a counter Christ or an opposition Christ or counter or anti-Messiah, some yeah. of these words yeah. I think help us to realize that what John's talking about is just anyone, whether from this church that he's writing to or anything since, who leave the community of faith and then start teaching counter to who Jesus is and what he is, what he's done well, then that is also an antichrist. And it's a yeah. it's a harsh-sounding term yeah. because of what we have associated exactly. with the end times of this, like, mark of the beast right. type I, thing. I was thinking, as I was listening to your sermon, um, 
we tend to associate the word antichrist with the the one solitary figure, the single right. figure. And and I think we we use or we take antichrist to mean opposite of Christ. Right. Opposite of Jesus. So this is an opposite Jesus. Right. Like matter and antimatter. Right. Or pasta and antipasta. Yeah. No, that's different. That's before pasta. Oh, that's, that's true. Before yeah, the pasta different. dish, yeah. No, but well, so you just said counter to, which I think um, I, I was, as I'm listening, I'm thinking, I was thinking about, okay, so are the Antichrist here like the opposite of Jesus or are they teaching contrary to Jesus? And so that's really helpful what you said is about teaching contrary. Yeah. That, um, I, uh, I forget who the theologian is who says that Christian really means like Messiah man. I'm a Messiah person. Uh, mm. Not like that. I'm a little Jesus, but that I'm, I'm a Messiah person through and through. Like right. I'm for the Messiah. And so right. an anti-Christ, anti-Messiah is someone who's like, I am against the Messiah through and through. Right. The Messiah as we understand it to be in the person of Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because, I mean, there's other people who are maybe pro, pro-Messiah, pro but not pro-Jesus Christ from Nazareth. Jesus the Messiah. the Messiah. Yeah. yeah. Yep. For sure. So last question I had for you was, um, am I an antichrist? Just kidding. Um, the last question I had for you <laughs> I was, like, oh, that's an easy, <laughs> that's an easy one. Let's easy not go there. One, yeah. Um, how did you choose? Okay. So we're fo- tracing these themes. We're following these themes throughout first John, you know, they show up multiple times. Mm-hmm. How do you decide which passage to kind of focus in and center in and then pull in others? Uh, how'd you pick, you know, chapter two, 18 through 25 versus chapter four, one and on, on yeah. through to eight or wherever. Well, I think, um, the reason I went with this passage is because I think verse 19 specifically is one of the more unique passages in scripture that talks about this idea. And verse 19 is the verse where it says they went out from us, but they were not of us for they for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, then it might be complained that they are not of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, for example, um, walking in God's love or walking in the light. There's a lot of passages in First John and also throughout Scripture that talk about, you know, God's love or walking in the light or being light. Um, there are, I think, seldom few passages, and correct me if my assumption is wrong, in the New Testament that actually talk about what we think about people who walk away from mm-hmm. the faith. Um, and so I think this is a unique one where John point, is pointing out, I think uniquely to this church, but also as God's word, broadly to the broad Christian church, that those who leave the faith, not to say they're hopeless and can never come back, mm-hmm. but if they leave the faith, deny the tenets of who Jesus is and say, yeah, Jesus is not the Messiah. He's not the son of God. He's not even real. It wasn't real. Whatever like then that shows by that teaching or that belief that they did not have genuine faith in Christ in the first place. Because I think I said in the sermon, a distinguishing feature of a genuine faith is permanence. Mm-hmm. And so as as the as God's word remains in us and as we remain in Christ, Christ remains in us. And it's a this relationship that goes back and forth. So I think the reason I went with this passage is even though it's yeah, a little confusing talking about Antichrist, and I could have avoided that maybe by picking a different passage. Verse 19 is just such a, I think, once again, taking the pressure off of us and almost a freeing verse that for those who have gone out, not that we shouldn't be heartbroken or you know filled with sorrow when we see people walking away from the faith, but it's like 
Well, actually, like, they're just showing their true colors. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not to dismiss it, but it's to, I don't know, take comfort Mm -hmm. knowing that... Let me back up. I think one of the reasons John is writing this to his readers is because I think maybe they were filled with the question of, what if I'm next, right? You kind of jokingly asked, am I an antichrist? But I think maybe for them, they're like, okay, brother, brother, you know, so-and-so just left and sister so-and-so just left. And now they're teaching this anti-gospel. Like, how do I know that that's not going to be me? Like, that could be me next. Like, what's going to happen? And um, especially if they see spiritual forces at work and what's Mm -hmm. going on. And John says, no, like, if you believe the truth and you believe that Jesus is the Christ, like, you're in Christ and Christ is in you. Mm -hmm. And as long as you let the word that you heard at the beginning, meaning the gospel, as you accepted it at your conversion, as long as you let that remain in you, Christ remains in you. Mm -hmm. And if you're with Christ, then you're with the Father. So almost to dispel this fear of like, oh, I could be next. Well, no, you can't be next. If you believe the truth, and then you remain in the Son, and you remain with the Son with the fa- in the Father. And so um, I think it's, it's also an encouragement to not be filled with worry or anxiety of, well, could this be me? Mm-hmm. When it's, as long as you believe the truth, which you have, and you don't need me to tell you about some new truth, it's the same truth you've heard from the beginning, then you're with Christ, and Christ mm-hmm. remains in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's a longer answer of why I chose this passage. No, that's great. And as you were answering, I was thinking about, uh, like, it hadn't occurred to me until you were saying that, that there's both a corporate and an individual aspect to this passage. Yeah. Because John is saying, like, they went out from us. They were not of us. We've been talking about it largely in, like, okay, my relationship to, you know, as an individual to an individual. Yeah. And John is writing to a church that has seen a big part of its worshiping community pull itself out and now set itself up almost as a counter church. Yeah. It's like when it's a church and a counter church, then the response is one of like, no, that is wrong. You are preaching the wrong thing. That is anti-Messiah what you're doing. Yeah. But when it's me individual with another individual, it's, it's much less of like the, that is wrong. And it's more of the, I love you. Can you not see the truth? I want you right, to see the truth, right. right? And so maybe keeping it in those two different registers of corporate versus individual, or not versus, but corporate and individual. It's yeah. like, yeah, you, when it's you're one group talking to a group, you got to think of it in one way. And But when it's individual to individual, you know, then think of it a little bit differently. So, well, I thought it was a great sermon. Uh, a lot of helpful stuff in there from uh, from these few verses and especially a real clear uh, clear call to cling to Christ, to cling to the confession you accepted at the beginning that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, as was testified to you in the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Yes. I think that was the longer version. Yes, that was the yeah. yes, longer version of the thing yeah. I was, the, exactly. the key, key takeaway. So, so. Like, like a three-year-old in the pool, cling to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, in a cold pool. Oh, man, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. And you just wanted to, like, peel her off and throw her in, which right, Jesus the, will never do Right, exactly. And that's why I brought it back around to the end, because I realized it wasn't a perfect illustration, so I came back around to it to say, but yes, while I might have wanted to push Hazel away and say, hey, go learn to swim, Jesus isn't like, hey, go figure this out on your own, leave me alone, mm-hmm. uh, but he holds on to us because right. he loves us. Yeah, if she'd been, like, a quarter mile out in an ocean being beaten by waves you would have been like hold on to me right i will rescue you yes exactly exactly. that's your situation a three-year-old swam out into the 
No. no. That's good. Good kid. All right. Well, thanks, Nathan. This was fun. Yeah. Uh, next week, it'll be Claire back with Pastor Jeff as we wrap up yeah, the wrap series up in First John. John. And then we'll be moving into Acts. So pick up your Acts uh, scripture journal, the sermon journal from the info desk at Faith. Uh, they're only five bucks each. And since we're going to be in Acts exploring the origin story of the church for a good uh, time, Good time, good amount of time with plenty, you know, with breaks and and uh, breaking it up and all that. But I think it's going to be fascinating to see how, to really spend some time looking at how the the church was formed and what mm-hmm. we can what we can learn from that and how we see the the Holy Spirit moving in uh, in the early world, leading to guys like John writing letters to yeah. churches that came out of everything we read next. So yeah. until right. next time, this has been cut for time. With Nathan and Joey. Nailed it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.